Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC Fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC Fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code off the blocks for a 10% discount at checkout. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundreds in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe's starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Nuyen's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Madam Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Phelps in the black hats, and Phelps is Phelps. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to Thorpe, Thorpe for the hall, Thorpe goes in. Australia win. Joining me today on the podcast is one of the absolute stars of the Australian Dolphin <laughs> swim team that smashed it over in Fukuoka at the World Champs, coming home with five medals in total, including the silver in her individual 50-metre freestyle. So massive welcome back to Off the Block Swim podcast to Shana Jack. Shana, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Uh, well and truly back into training and on the path to Paris. So it's exciting to, you know, reflect a little bit and hear those achievements again and realise that it has been a great year and and just relish in that. Yeah, well, it's because, we, you know, we I touch base with everyone. Everyone gets back and everyone's busy, so we're slowly catching yeah. up. So some of the stuff we're going to bring up where I'm bringing it up as if it probably happened yesterday. Yeah, for, <laughs> you, for you now, it's probably uh, well and truly in the rearview mirror a little bit. But um, certainly what what's happening for you at the moment, as you said, you're back into routine. I know life's a bit hectic for you at the moment as well. What sort of routine looking like for you at the moment? Oh, look, it's definitely getting back into that routine of training. We did have two beautiful weeks off um, from our sport, which is always just nice to kind of wind down and enjoy it. Unfortunately, I did get COVID for my first week, so I was just trapped in the house and avoiding everyone at all costs, um, and it did hit me hard. So that wasn't pleasant for my first week of, um, you know, break and recovery. And then I spent my second week, you know, off the group with my partner. We went to Agnes Waters and, really just relished, you know, the beaches, the fishing, the, you know, the outdoors life, with, which I do love. Um, and, yeah, now we're getting back into it and, and getting down to the nitty-gritty. Um, as Dean always says, we'll, you know, keep things hush-hush because it's our, it's our plan, it's our journey. And, um, you know, as much as I would love to talk about it, we'll wait till the results show itself first. Yeah. Well, he knows I keep his seat. I've mentioned him on here a few yeah. times. I, say, I know you're listening, Dean. It's okay. I won't, I won't go into too much. Um, Hi, Dean. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like that these days. It's almost like I'm talking to him. He knows I'm here. Um, you mentioned there in terms of getting sick. I mean, that's it's either good luck and bad luck, right? Because it's good in the way that it's your first week holiday. So it's after World Champs, you've come back, you're mm -hmm. getting a break. So at least it didn't happen in the midst of you yeah. trying to be at your very best. But at the downside comes at the time where you probably want to be relaxing and enjoying yourself but now you've got yeah. to try and recover it was bittersweet I was a bit frustrated because obviously yeah we we don't get many times that we can actually wind down and and spend time with family and friends and actually have that complete freedom um 
but as you said like we did have a massive week and it was a it was a fantastic week and I'm so grateful that it didn't you know actually hit me until after so I'm assuming you know on my journey home or potentially coming home was that you know that initial contact um but I guess it forced me to relax and it did force me to you know to deal with it and I guess in the end I got the antibodies so I'm protected now <laughs> So now you're all yeah. Now you're all good. I'm ready to go. Um, What was the week away like? That must be good because I'm assuming, especially for you, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you strike me as a what's up next type of girl. Like, all right, where are we going next? What are we doing next? What's the next goal? So I I would assume too, it's really important for you to find that time just to almost force Mm. yourself. You probably have a team around you that are like, Shana, no, go away and have a week just to enjoy yourself. (laughs) That must have been good though too, just to recharge the batteries and certainly mentally as well. Yeah, it definitely was. And I think that that's kind of what my partner brings out in the end times is he just he's very laid back and he helps me realize that, you know, let's just enjoy this moment and just live in the moment. And that's, you know, what we tend to focus on when we go on a break together. Cause he, um, in my unfortunate circumstance, he has to, had to move to Perth for, I guess, a dream, fulfilling his dream, which I'm so proud of him for, but at the same time, selfishly, I wish he didn't have to live in Perth. Um, yeah. So, you know, we don't get very many times we actually get to physically be together. And so when we do, you know, we we switch off, we completely go off the grid. We don't, um, you know, we don't really tell people where we are until we've, you know, come home and, and just get to relish in those moments. And as you said, embrace every, um, you know, opportunity and, and just... I caught lots of little fish, which was cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I'm a catch and release kind of girl. So I just, you know, I just really loved it. It was a great way to clear the mind to, um, to come back to training with a clear head. I'd love to do that, Shana. Honestly, we, we went, um, we, we had a crew, we went on a cruise and the, the hardest part for us is because we run our own business it's so hard to uh, to just switch off. So even mm. though we're on the cruise, we still had to get the internet packed so we could yeah. pay our staff. Yeah. And, oh, I wish we could just throw the phones away and just pretend. I know. It's hard because I guess, you know, for me, I do, as you said, I was already starting to plan what the next prep would look like and make sure I was getting the team that I would have for the next year around me to know the, you know, what plans here, what's happening here and, and um, as you said, they knew exactly what to do. They knew that, again, they were also on break. So at the same time, it wasn't even out of, you know, for me, it was also for them. They deserve that break. They've worked so hard for us over this past, you know, this prep. And so, you know, like people like Dean, um, I, you know, so many times wanted to just chat to him or reach out to him, but I knew that that time was for him and his family. And I just wanted to give him that time because he's put so much into us that it's really valuable for him to just get that time and, and same with our support staff. Um, that's probably why I didn't reach out to them. <laughs> it wasn't actually for me relaxing. It was actually to allow them to relax because they're probably thinking block Shana. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, make, you make a great point um, and it, it's very, very needed for, for a lot of people out there in terms of just being able to switch off and get that break because mm. even though yeah. I think we had Rowan Taylor on the Shannon Rollison podcast mm-hmm. the other day and he's like, I'm on holidays. I said, well, what the bloody hell are you doing on here? Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. well, I'm I'm on holidays, you know. So yeah. you know, it was yeah. it was still jumping on, having a chat about swimming. So we definitely can get caught up in that, mate. The the junior worlds are on right now in Israel, mm-hmm. and and you know, um, obviously, 
you know this meet pretty well. You were there in Dubai, you went to Singapore as well. Have you been mm -hmm. keeping up with it much lately? I saw today as we're recording this, um, St. Peter's own Jacqueline Barclay won gold yeah. in the 100 backstroke. 100 back. So yep. massive congrats to her, to her coach, mm -hmm. Richard Slight, who's a legend. Everyone knows how much I love Rich. Yeah. Um, so again, continues to show how strong St. Peter's are. How, have you seen much of this? And just for you on a on sort of a separate question to, to tack onto it, how many lessons and experiences did you bring away from your sort of experiences on junior Australian teams? Yeah, look, that's a great question. Um, in relation to, you know, keeping up to date and watching that kind of stuff, I personally don't sit down and watch any sport unless it's live. I'm actually an in-person, like, yell at people kind of person. Um, but I won't yell at a TV. I'm, I'm just, I can't get into it like that. So I love I'm crazy like that, sport. Shana, don't worry. I, I can yell at a TV. If my partner gets angry at me all the time because I'll be a, you know, absolute NRL fanatic when I'm there. But then when it's not, I just look at the updates and the scores and, and keep track of the statistics, but not actually sit there and watch the yeah. game. Um, but yeah, I, again, because it's well advertised over social media and everyone is like kept up to date. A few of, as you said, St. Peter's girls are over there, so we all keep up to date with how they're tracking, how they're going. And, you know, even watching that 4 by 2 women's team the other night, um, you know, seeing those statistics come through and just seeing how well our girls did and how close it was, it's, it's exciting, you know. Um, one day that will be them stepping up to that senior team. And um, as you said, you know, from my experiences of being on that junior team, I... I think that's not necessarily why I'm a great racer, but it's why I'm a great person and why I'm a great athlete. Um, you know, I do, I do have a lot of pride for myself with the way I carry myself as an athlete. And I think any athlete, you know, who can look at themselves and be proud of themselves should be able to do that. Um, and I think that comes from being part of those junior teams, you know, being a leader to some of those even younger people on those teams, you know, even at the age of potentially I think it was maybe 17, um, you feel like a bit of a leader because you have younger boys and girls below you on that team. Um, and it creates a lot of professionalism. You you learn a routine, you learn what works for you, what doesn't work for you. It's it's all about learning those, those experiences come and go and in the end you've got to grasp onto them and take every opportunity you can to learn because those that's what teaches you how to be a great athlete in the future because you've, you've had that stepping stone of, of practising learning figuring out how to deal with even just media after, um, you know, having a race. How do you deal with um, the pressure of, you know, the team or, or Australia or whatever it might be? You you learn all those things and sometimes you come out stronger and, and sometimes athletes can't handle it. But it, it's a great opportunity and a great time in their life to learn that. Um, you know, they don't go to like their 30 and go, oh, I tried, you know, for how many years and get to 30 and go, this wasn't for me and you've got to try and start a new career. Um, it allows people to really, truly know what they want to do and if they want to become an elite athlete. Yeah, it's a good point you make. And by the time this podcast comes out, um, the world champs, junior world champs, sorry, would have been run and done. But um, mm -hmm. I just wanted to mention that because it was something I saw today and I briefly yeah. worked with Jacqueline Barclay for like yeah. two or three months. I'm not taking any credit. I didn't really She's teach. So you know, well. She taught me too many things. So um, <laughs> she, she did phenomenally well. And as I said, Rich and 100%. the team and, and all of the junior dolphins, I know there's a lot of them doing real, really well over there. So by the time we recap this, it'll be one and done. Um before we get on to the world champs questions, talk to me about trials mm -hmm. in Melbourne. What, what was that <laughs> week like for you? Because, you know, you're someone who's super competitive 
it was a super, super competitive environment. I mean, you're in those events, 50, 100, 200, yeah. almost an Olympic level final these days. And I think next year is certainly going to be that across it's the pool. Crazy. Yeah. What, I mean, you know, you got on the team for the 50, third in the 100. So you, you're in the relays. I know what you're like. So third probably would have stung a little bit. <laughs> you know, but what Not was the week like? <laughs> okay. What was the week like for you? Give me a heads up on Melbourne. Um, look, I can give like, there's, I'm never going to be someone that doesn't give, you know, my honest opinion and, and honest truth about how I feel. Um, I was really disappointed in that week. I struggled a lot during and I struggled a lot, um, you know, even prior and I struggled a lot even more post. Um, and I think as I kind of have recognized after taking some time to actually, you know, think about what happened and, you know, the episodes that I went through, I, I can realize that in the end, that was probably the first time since coming back that I've had pressure on me and everything has gone perfectly in my prep, you know, um, you know, my first, you know, year back, I didn't have that pressure cause I was, you know, smack bang off two years off out of the pool. So there's no expectation on me. I just wanted to enjoy it and have fun. I didn't have the expectation on myself. Um, the year after I, you know, was, went to worlds kind of thing, did all that stuff and then broke my hand. So at the guest at the Commonwealth games, I felt like, I'm here. I've done, you know, I don't really have any expectations on anything because I just broke my hand. And so this was probably the first time that my prep had been smooth physically that I thought, well, this has to go perfectly. I've worked hard. I've trained hard. I've done all everything I need to do. So all the dominoes should line up for it to just happen. Um, and I think I got too much in my head, which then my head just played a massive role in, unfortunately, dropping my confidence. Um, I think for me, I lacked a lot of confidence straight off the back of not making the 200 free final. And it, it was a phenomenal race for every single female that made the final. We, you know, everyone had to basically go full bolt in the heat. Um, and you look at the results and you think, well, that was faster than what made um the semis for worlds mm. um our, our girls are phenomenal and the depth is incredible both in in all the freestyle events i believe um and yeah it was it was kind of a bad way to start i guess um and then i i went into my hundred free thinking you know this i've worked hard i've trained hard i've done everything i should be better i raced you know at the nationals at the gold coast and and was smack bang on my pb like this is guaranteed to be faster <laughs> I'm fresh, I'm tapered, I'm ready to go. And and the reality of sport just hits you in the face. It just doesn't work like that. That's not what sport is like. Sport doesn't sport isn't fair. Sport doesn't wait for people, you know, it is unfortunately, especially in swimming, comes down to how you do on the day. And on the day, in my opinion, I didn't perform to the extent that I expected of myself. Um but I gave everything and I have, you know, no apologies for that and I don't have any regrets about anything. But it was definitely difficult to deal emotionally and I started to doubt myself. I just built up so much doubt, which I'm not someone that tends to lack in confidence. <laughs> um, so it, it was daunting and it was probably a very scary week for me. Um, and then... Yeah, it, and and I guess another factor in my opinion and other athletes' opinions was um, unfortunately the the environment that we raced in. I don't believe was to the extent of being an elite athlete. Yeah, um, you know we're in an environment of an outdoor pool for warm up. It was June. You know it's freezing in Melbourne. 
Yeah. And then you're expected to go and get up. And especially for sprinters, you're meant to, you know, be fiery and ready to go. And, and, you know, they were all just challenges that we, I guess you do have to be adaptable in sport, but you just never thought that uh, that professionalism would be that low in regards to the environment we would be put in. You know, there was limited amount of people who came out to support, which, you know, is always disappointing because we think that, you know, we are the best in the world. And to know that potentially people in our own nation don't support us as much as other people overseas is is disheartening. Um, we work day in and day out. And and that's why it's so exciting when you see um, things such as the Matildas. They did a fantastic job. And the turnout for that, you just think, we wish that could be us. We wish that people lived and breathed what we did as well because we do that every day and we try it really hard and we, you know, we perform as well. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, we just don't get the same recognition at times. Um, and so, yeah, I basically went away that week thinking I failed. <laughs> as simple as that. I I felt like I failed. Um, and that's just me being very hard on myself and me being... Uh, I don't, I, I, Dean and I have agreed on this. I'm very bad at putting things into perspective. I look at my goals and what I want to achieve and that's all I look at and I don't think about what I've actually achieved in the moment and that's something that I have to learn to do better and that's something that I am working on um, because I think every athlete can work on things mentally and physically. Um, I'm not perfect and I will continue to try and be better um with the people and the support of you know people such as Dean and our support staff I can't do that alone um so basically what my goal was going into worlds was just screw it let's have fun <laughs> like well I'll get to that in a minute because yeah I've got I'll get to that in a minute because I've got a, a question about the mindset yep. shift and the mm -hmm. change and and I you know I don't mean to bring it up to take you back to that place but I think more so that question comes from as a coach, like I loved your answer just then because so often with the swimmers that I'm coaching, similar to you, we've had a great prep, we're dealing with it. And all of a sudden I can see them starting to get in their own way. And I'm like, no, no, don't do, yeah. don't do this. So that's, you know, I, I didn't know the backstory of all of that. I, mm -hmm. I just knew that uh, it was certainly a question that I, I think too often on podcasts and certainly sometimes on my own, I'm guilty. We, we do the big, um, you know, how good is that? And how great was this? And how well did it go? Yeah. And I think sometimes, and we'll get to that too. There's this, this great yeah, you know, yeah, parts to this story as well. But I think sometimes it's good just to, for the kids listening, um, it's not always my own swimmers, but I know a lot of other swimmers listen to the Off the Blocks mm. podcast. Just to hear that, um, I, I think was was really good. And you weren't alone with the Melbourne thing. I know um, on the Shannon Rollison podcast, Shannon was not mm. overly excited and I said, where are you going to be? Where can people meet? He said, oh, around the fire. I'm going to make a campfire down there outside. Yeah, it was just, I think you know, it was just be, disappointing. Yeah. As I said, like, you know, we walked into it and, you know, there was, it was, it was just lacking. And, and then we watched the Americans and theirs was lights, cameras, you know, smoke machines, all this music, like everything was just a vibe. And you walk into ours and it kind of just, it seemed quite depressing and you think, well, this is not really lifting me up to be a, a tough racer right now. And, and unfortunately, like, that's the reality of what it was and that's how it goes. And we can't always rely on the outside factors to do that for us, but it does help. You know, when we race at a world level, the thing that does help is the crowd. Like when we hear that cheer and that roar, it just gets your adrenaline going and you get so excited to put on a performance for them. And that's, you know, that's what we're doing. We're putting on a performance, we're entertaining and that's, 
what I love to do is is be there and relish in it and and give them something to watch that's exciting. Yeah, well, I'm going to steer away from the rest of those questions that I have because that'll be another podcast that you and I can do. That will probably get both of us in big trouble. But yes, I've got I've got lots of ideas around what we should and shouldn't be doing as well, and yeah. how we can do things better. And um, there's always you know, ways to improve. I well, don't think anything's yeah. ever perfect as an athlete, as anything. Yeah. You can't be perfect, but the only way to make change is to speak up. So. Yeah. I certainly agree with you in terms of just the atmosphere and and um, yeah. getting people around it. I mean, I think I've mentioned to you before, and I've said here on the podcast many times. I grew up in an era where swimming was, you know, on prime time and the stands were full. Mm. I remember going to Jewel in the yeah. pool, and you know, yeah. it was like going to a football game. Like it there was just people so, yeah. everywhere, and mm-hmm. uh, I think we can get to that stage again. I think we've got the talent in the pool, certainly, to make yeah. people, you know, get excited about it and be around it. Um, we've just got to get. Uh, the right people at the top and it was it was just great that i i do think that matilda's set a standard of people you know Mm. it even it even edged you know i guess it edged the the um rugby union girls to stand up and ask for for what they wanted and you know not trying to make it a gender thing at all because obviously we have men and women in our sport as well but it was just great to see that it started something where it was like you know what this it you created so much change by just showing up Mm. all you have to do is show up there's you're not expecting them to um do anything more than just show up and and support us um and you know we we do that for other sports because we know how it feels like i went to the matilda's game and i go to other games because i want to be there and support them and show them that no matter what we all support each other yeah, it was phenomenal to see. And, uh, you know, th- they thoroughly deserve the money that's going to mm. come their way as well because they drove that change. And I've always mm. been a big um, believer in, you know, that equal pay comes with equal mm. eyes on and, and attention yeah. coming to that as well. And mm-hmm. and they certainly deserve that in spades. Um, yeah. You know, staging camp, and I've talked to a few swimmers about this. Um, for you, though, this seems to be, I mean, you can take me on a ride again if, if you like. I'm not sure. <laughs> But was there a mindset shift once you made this team in terms of, well, I'm going now, I've got the 50, I'm on the relays, you know, the mindset now is basically I've got a point to prove or it's time to move forward, it's time to move past it. Maybe there's a mm-hmm. bit more to the story off the back of Melbourne into this. You, you give me your sort of take on the staging camp before we get to Melbourne because I feel like based off what you just said before, but then the results that I'm going to talk to the listeners about where I thought you yeah. did phenomenally well through <laughs> through Fukuoka in terms of, to be honest, I think you went a bit under the radar, but I won't say too much, Dean, because I don't <laughs> want people to know. Um, but, yeah, um, talk to me about staging camp and that mindset shift. Um, look, it was definitely one of those things that I, I had my pity party. I had my moment after um, trials where I just, you know, I cried a lot. I, I felt limey kind of thing. It, it was one of those moments of, what am I doing wrong? Why did I bother working so hard and tried to do even more than I did the year before, but I got the same results kind of attitude. And that gets you nowhere. Like that just, yeah. all that does is waste more energy because in the end it's all negative. Um, and I remember just having a conversation with Dean and, and I just said, look, I just, I just want to enjoy it. I, I came back to this sport to enjoy it. I'm not spending, you know, the next 18 months, you know, working to, towards an Olympics not having the best time in my life loving my sport because even if you get to that glory, if you've hated it the whole way, all you want is all you'll want is for it to be done. 
And I don't think that that's really embracing or um, appreciating what you can do as an elite athlete. And and for me, that was what I wanted to do when I went to Fukuoka and into staging camp was go in there and have fun, be someone that unites the team, be someone that, you know, is always laughing and being the positive person. And and that's exactly what I did. I, I remember we were doing a bike set and all I did was sing the whole time. It probably looked like I wasn't working hard, but... <laughs> I can tell you now, singing and biking at the same time, my heart rate was at about 180 the whole time. Are you a good singer? <laughs> Are you at least a no, good singer? No, I'm not a good I'm, <laughs> I'm really not. But, <laughs> but it was just, yeah, I just really wanted to have fun. And, again, we had a lot of opportunities where the Relay girls and boys got together and, and did practice with the Relays. And it just makes you feel so good because, that's the time to have the best time is you're on the Australian team, you're representing your country with these other people and now's the time to, yes, lift and do what you have to do for your country but also embrace it. Unfortunately for Australians, the hardest part is making the team, you know, for especially in, you know, myself in the in freestyle events. The hardest part about making the Australian team is being that top two because basically if you're in the top two, you, you're, you know, top in the world for sure. Yeah, well, that's what we, we're about to mention it in a second. Um, night one, the most successful night one in Aussie swimming history yeah. in the world champs. And, you know, you and your teammates were a big part of that world record, Molly, Emma, Meg as well. Special mm-hmm. swim um, and almost too because across the board, I think you nearly averaged 51.9. 51.9, yeah, 51.9. Across the board, nine, nine. which is, it, it's incredible. And to your point of like, you know, to, to make the Australian swim team at the moment, you've basically got to be, you know, the, the world champion or mm-hmm. uh, 1A. Um, what was that moment like? You've been a part of um, some some good moments and some incredible moments in the Australian mm-hmm. team in terms of the relays. But two, for you personally, I know you wouldn't have thought about it personally at the time. It would have been a team mm-hmm. thing. But did you reflect after and go, oh, all right, we're, we're back on track now and I'm back enjoying <laughs> what I'm doing? Yeah, I think that came straight away after I saw the heat of the 4 100 freestyle and I, you know, did the PB that I expected myself to do at trials, um, which was a 52-2, um, and that just got me going. <laughs> I just was like, all right, I've showed up. We're ready to go. That was my first swim in the meet. That was a heat swim. That's not where we're stopping. Let's see how quick we can get. Um, and every single time I jumped in that pool and raced, I learnt. I, I, I took on board what was around me. I took on board, you know, Dean and the support staff's feedback and – and I learned, and that was the best thing I possibly could have done. And I think I'm so grateful that I had so many opportunities racing in those relays because it it is it does take that pressure off you, um, I believe, too, because you have the teammates around you to support you. Um, so it's the best time to learn and to try things and to get it right. Um, and that's the thing. Every time I raced, I learned. Um, and, you know, I know Dean will vouch for that because, yeah, we were just so excited sometimes. Every time I'd come out, he would just make jokes to me and be like, oh, well, you didn't go fast on the way home. Just kidding, you did. Yay. <laughs> so uh, we did. We thoroughly just enjoyed it. We, you know, as obviously a lot of St. Peter's crew did make up the team. I think we're about a third of the team, which is something to be so proud of in Dean's position. And and I know he was running around like a mad hatter the whole time trying to keep up with everyone, but he did a phenomenal job. You know, him, him as a coach, him as a mentor to other coaches, he, you know, he's unbelievable. Um, he really is, I guess, he likes to be Batman, I guess. I was going to call him mm-hmm. Superman, but he probably preferred Batman. 
Um, (laughs) So he always showed up. He always was there for us. There was never a time that he wasn't there for us. Um, He always knew where to meet us, always gave us the talk that we needed. Um, So, you know, we couldn't have done it without him. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned Dina. We'll sort of um, talk about that just in a little bit as well. Um, just before I move on from that relay, did did it help at all, or did you need any help? Probably the team probably didn't. That Sam and Arnie had just pretty much dominated the four hundreds before you went out there. Was the girls after the boys relay? I can't remember, but I think the girls were before the boys. Girls they? were first, yeah. The girls, girls were first. So you boys. saw the two yeah. 400s, the, the vibes mm-hmm. are high. Did, did yeah. that help get the excitement levels up as well? Yeah, it definitely did. And I think that's what you saw over the whole week was basically you saw one after another, medals, world records, um, just people, you know, having those little achievements. Like my roommate, you know, she told me her goals and she was achieving those and I could not be prouder of her. That was Abby Harkin and, and to see those little things just gets you more excited to do your own achievements and make your own goals. Um, so I think that's why it was the most successful team since 2002, I believe, um, because we just lifted each other up. Every single time someone raced, you'd see everybody like getting behind them and backing them and, you know, making them feel so supported and loved. And, you know, then it was your turn. You knew that they were going to do the same for you. Yeah, well, you know, as I said, you had great success through the week in relays, whether it was a four by two, whether it was mixed. I think you <laughs> averaged fifty one seven in your splits. I think even fifty one five, if I'm not mistaken, in the mixed medley yeah, relay. Yeah, fifty one five was my fastest, I think. Yes. Um, what are some of the keys to a fast relay? Like, we'll get to individual in a minute, but I, I do ask this question um, in in all seriousness because I do think there's a bit of an art to it. I look back at the four by one relay from Sydney. And while everyone gets really excited about what the boys were able to do, if you really go back and watch, they all executed really good race plans in terms mm. of, you know, the front end and then back ending it. Is it is there an art to maybe not so much just diving in and sending it as would be the feel, <laughs> right, because you want to do your best for the team, mm. but at the same time you've got to save yourself for that back end of that relay as well and finish off to give a really good changeover. Is there an art yeah. to it? Is it? Is it any different from your own race plans? Um, personally, no, it's not different from my own race plan because, um, I believe, you know, some people have executed better race plan, sorry, better execution in a relay. And I just think that comes from being more relaxed. I personally think the best times I've raced, I'm relaxed. I'm, you know, I'm not panicked. I'm not tense. I'm not, you know, I'm not lacking in the confidence. I just basically am relaxed, having fun, smile on my face, um, that's yeah that's all I can ever ask for and I think you see it more commonly in relays basically because they're more relaxed and they can execute their plan a lot better and a lot more efficiently yeah well you girls certainly did that and that all of the teams did uh, (laughs) across the week um you know I've mentioned all of the relays and you had a lot of swims um for you keeping an eye on where you were heading to at the end of the week too which was your individual event not you know you're still (laughs) flying so you're not holding anything back you're flying. How important was it for you to keep yourself right with your recovery, with your hydration? I always ask these sort of questions because, as I said, I know a lot of the kids are listening and there's a lot of weeks at state where the coaches are saying, did you sleep, did you rest, did you drink? And they're like, oh, I'll be right. How important is it to make sure you're still getting yourself to be your best when you get on the blocks? Yeah, it's so important. Um, You'll see a lot of, you know, athletes, especially myself, um, 
we try to stay, I guess, I would say calm. Um, and, and sometimes that's a positive and sometimes that's a negative in the sense of not actually realizing what we've just achieved. Because what, what I do is basically, you know, we win that event, medal, whatever it might be. And it's pack it away, go warm down, go home, you know, recover, get to bed um, and try and switch off and try not to let that adrenaline hit again where you're so excited and so happy for what you've just achieved. And that, when I say it's sad, that the only reason I think it's sad is because we forget to sometimes go back and appreciate what we just had achieved. Mm. I know I struggled a lot off the back of Commonwealth Games because I just, I couldn't, comprehend what I had just achieved and I couldn't give myself that gratitude and that um I guess that pride of what I had just achieved um and I struggled to deal with that because I never actually sat there and gave myself that recognition I was already ready on to the next thing what am I going to do next where am I going to go what am I doing what have I got to change all those things that I just didn't stop and go what did I just do you know what did we do as an Australian team what did our nation just achieve um and i i think that's a difficult and isolating factor in swimming you know in some of the team sports they have a finals they they have the very end of the meet or whatever it might be as a final they win or lose a final and they can celebrate as a team yeah. um we don't get that unfortunately because you know everyone's on different days some people finish earlier so they've got to stay like calm and away from people who are still racing and then um yeah, you get to the end and even last night I was racing. So, you know, I was exhausted and um, ready to basically get home and, and see my family and everybody. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's we've talked about it a few times um, <clears throat> on here with a lot of the, you know, different swimmers, whether it was Arnie, whether it was Kaylee, whether it was with all the ups and the downs. And as you said, it, it can be sometimes a bit sad that, you know, you guys as athletes don't get to actually – uh, enjoy your moment like you do for a mm -hmm. second, but it's almost like, all right, now switch off, put that away, change your mindset, go here, go. Yeah. You can't, you don't get that, as you said. Um, <clears throat> that time, sorry, I'm coughing and bloody sore throat. I talk right. too much, Shana. That's why <laughs> I talk too much. That's my problem. Um, second in the 50 free to Sarah Showstrom, who is the world record holder. So there's definitely no, I guess, disappointment <laughs> there. I mean, how do you look at that race personally? You'd had a phenomenal week, as I said. You're setting the pool on fire. You probably were by this time like a, you know, a, a, a greyhound in the box, just like yeah, getting at the box, just go. ready, just <laughs> let me go, just let me go. Yeah. You've had success with relays as well, and at the Com Games individually. But did this feel a little bit different for you on the biggest stage against the world record holder, who's arguably mm. one of the greatest sprinters of all times? I mean, I put her as the goat of sprinting in terms of world yeah. swimming. Um, is this a pretty different feeling for you in terms of full circle and, and you know, now given what we've talked about from Melbourne and all you'd gone through? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was for me. Um, I actually, I think not only did it feel different winning that individual medal, it also felt like I finally, as soon as I touched that wall and, and got to be a bit more private um, after walking through the, the mix zone, I finally hit everything hit of this week like what did I just do what have I done that like I'm I am so proud of myself and what I've achieved and this was what I I expected of myself last year when I unfortunately didn't get to race the world championship because of my broken hand mm. um and again like not being able to race last year felt like it'd been stripped away from me again so 
to finally get through nine days of racing with no incidents and absolutely dominate where I wanted to dominate. I was so proud of myself that it, it just brought me to tears. I, I was so emotional after, you know, seeing Dean and um, it was well-deserved emotion. Yeah, well, you know, as you said, and, and certainly, I mean, we can go back to the to the story of, of what you've been through over the last three or four years, which if people want to listen to that, you can go back to the first time I spoke <laughs> to Shana. You can go back to the first time I spoke to Shana. <laughs> but now that we've talked about Melbourne and we've talked about, you know, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff as well, definitely, as you said, full circle moments. Yeah. Um, that's the emotional part of it. Fit, like in terms of putting it together, uh, a 50-metre freestyle, just for the swimmers out there, is it a send it race, Shana? Is there a little bit of a race plan? Is there more to a 50 metre sprint than just dive in and go for gold? Or do you sort of build it a little bit? I mean, I mean, the coach in me has an idea of what I think, but mm-hmm. what, what does the athlete do when Shana Jack gets in for a 50 freestyle? Look, I'm still learning. I haven't even worked out how many breaths I want to take. So so we're all still learning. Uh, I've done that that race so many times and I'm still umming and ahhing about what works for me. And, um, yeah, like, again, I wanted to get a a 23 um, at Worlds and I was point – I was well, I went 24.01. So, oh, so close but (laughs) not close enough. Um. So it was a little bit of bittersweet. I, I still had an expectation of myself that I didn't achieve, and but I was able to put that aside and just acknowledge what I had achieved. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to the actual race, I I personally don't send it because <laughs> I feel like I lose all of my oxygen before I get to the end. Um, but, again, it's still something that I'm learning. I have no idea exactly how I will perfect it. Um, again, I'm still learning my 100. I'm still learning the 200. Um, I did have two years off from racing completely. So things are different coming back, which is why, you know, the more racing I can do, the better experience, the better, the better it will be. And that's why I believe my 100 got better was because I got to race it over and over and over and critique it and change it and do things that I need to do better. Um, and so that 50 is just coming along perfectly and we'll just keep going all the way through to Paris. <laughs> I love that your answer was, I still don't know where I need to, where I want to breathe because that yeah. happens so often. Like I'm watching my swim, like, so wait, why did you, wear, why did we breathe here? We haven't breathed there yeah. in about three or four races. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I felt like I needed it. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad that was the answer. And again, you know, I love bringing these stories to the listeners because they sometimes look at you guys as, um, you know, swimmers who never get it wrong. And then it's all about, yeah, because obviously perfect. in the, in the papers and in the media, it's all about mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the gold the medals glory. and the success yeah. and we don't get to see the stories behind it. We're where, still human. We still <laughs> yes. have to make last minute decisions and sometimes it's the wrong one and you have yeah. to live with that. Um, you know, in swimming, you don't, you get split second decisions, whether it comes down to your finish, your start, your turn, it's still a split second decision of do I do that or do I do that? Um, I remember <laughs> just laugh at it all the time, but <laughs> in uh, last year at, no, when was it? I have no idea. When was the Nationals of the Gold Coast? Was that this year? Yeah. Yeah, I, this year yeah. at the Gold Coast Nationals. Um, I made a split decision, split last minute decision. Uh, Molly was coming at me in the last 50 and I thought, now I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it and just have one long hit into the wall and just try and out touch her. Yeah, that was the wrong decision. I lost by 0.01. So 
guess what? That's just that's as close as it can get. And in the end, I lost it. So um, sometimes you make a split second decision and you beat yourself up for the next day. But in the end, it, you can't change it. Would you normally have one breath? Where you uh, just yeah. said you got your head down? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happens. It, it definitely yeah, happens. It is what it you've, is. You've given me two more questions just based off um, how you guys are human and things happen. Have you had many um, swimsuits break or not not be ready to go? Or I've had a few swimmers right before finals come to me in tears saying, my suit just ripped or things have gone wrong. Have you had any moments like that in big situations where you're like, oh, I need to be quick, I need to be, uh-oh. Oh, look, I am touching wood so many times. But, no, I have not had that. So I um, I currently wear Finise. So yep. um, they have a new suit that came out at the start of this year, the Hydro X, and I cannot rave about that suit more. Um, I'm really proud of it and I don't get enough opportunity to actually rave about it as much as I wish I could. But um, it's one of those suits that you probably look at it and think, it doesn't. She doesn't even have it on properly because the straps are so loose. Like that suit's a training suit. Yeah. Um. But I think when I race in it and people ask me questions about it, I always say it basically lifts you out of the water. And the straps. Why would you want to hinder in something that's the main part of your race? You know, your shoulders are the pinnacle of racing. If they start to fatigue or get tired or have too much pressure on them they're going to stop working. Mm. Um, and so Finise managed to work with their athletes and myself, Cam, Meg, um, and create this power suit. Um, and, you know, it is phenomenal. I I race in both the black and the white and I love both of them and everybody has always raved about how great it looks, um, but even better, it, it races well as well. And I wear nails like this and put the suit on and I don't rip them. So I'm doing something right. Yeah, well, yeah, touch wood, as you said. Well well done with the not having any, any hiccups <laughs> so far. Uh, my yeah. second question around you guys being human, social media. How, how do you mm-hmm. go in terms of when you're going to world champs and things like that and the build-up? I know I sent a few of you like a DM just saying good luck, guys, mm-hmm. um, yeah. good luck over there, which a lot of people got back to me and said thank you very much, but sometimes I don't even expect that because I think, yeah. oh, they might be switching off by now. Yeah. Have you had any good, bad experiences? I know probably through the trial and stuff like that. We don't need to yeah. go into that. <laughs> that was probably the only worst one. Yeah, but-, but when it comes to world champs, do you have to switch it off? Do you find... Just staying away from it is better or how do you go with that? Dean will laugh at me right now because I don't like going off it. Um, he's always like, Shana, I saw you post at 2am. <laughs> no, it didn't post at 2am. I posted but it obviously went on your feed while you were up at 2am. Yes, yes. Um, or oh, the other one is I scheduled it. I scheduled it yeah, for 2am. Yeah, well, yeah. And, oh, look, <laughs> other people technically, um, my management team also, you know, could help me out if I ever needed it. But yeah. I relish in it. I love hearing from people and and fans or any support networks that I have. I love to talk and share and and I I run my social media as a way of connecting with people without having to physically message them. Like I know so many people want to say good job and good luck and, and whatever it is. So the easiest way to do that is post a photo and whoever would like to say that gets to comment. Um yeah. Because I know people, you know, want the opportunity to message me, but unfortunately, like, I don't see a lot of the messages, so I can't actually respond to a lot of them. Um, so I love it. I tend to post regularly during racing and, and keep people up to date. And, you know, some of my friends don't even know what's on at times because 
I'm I'm not someone that goes go watch me, but in the end they obviously see it and like they get all excited. Um, so I do. I know some people don't. I know some people like to completely switch off and don't actually post or say anything until post racing. And I think that's just the difference with what it can bring. Some people obviously wouldn't handle the negative very well, but I think I've handled the worst, the worst. And if I can handle that, then you know, what's one bad comment or one snarky comment here and there. Um, it's pretty easy. Swipe, delete, see you later. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Majority of those people don't even follow me, so they get a block anyways because you're just <laughs> looking for something. You know, yeah. they literally were going to look for something and look for something to write about someone. And I just think if you haven't followed me and haven't followed my career and if you don't even know me, your two cents means nothing. Yeah. Um, no, it's a good so, point you yeah. make. I think – there's also the other side of it, which, you know, when people say things like, for example, my good luck guys, da, 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 da. Um, If you're a young, uh, inexperienced swimmer on the first team that's feeling the pressure of performing to the level of, you know, yourself and some of the more experienced team members around, sometimes that sort of outside commentary can add pressure at least. Does that make sense? Like we don't mean to do it, but it can come that way. I can understand that, but I, I don't, again, I'm always, I'm, I'm huge on communication. I'm, I'm, ask anyone, I'm massive on, I'll be honest with you, you be honest with me, yeah. you know, cut the crap. Um, so if someone messaged me and said something like that, I would honestly turn around and be like, I'm actually so nervous. I'm actually shitting my pants. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I said, I spoke to so many people around trials and I said, I'm actually so scared. You know, it's the yeah. first time I've just been completely honest about being so scared about a result um and there's nothing wrong with that you're human again you're human there's nothing wrong with feeling emotions feeling scared feeling like people are expecting something from you and and i guess that comes from experience and learning how to fail and seeing the people that are still there for you Mm. you know means that no matter what happens in that race or no matter what the outcome is those people are still going to love and support you um the only reason that they're there is because you have a goal and you have a dream and they're there to help you. They're not there because they expect anything from you. They're there because you would like them there and, and you want them to support you and and that's basically what they're doing and, and doing the best job they possibly can. And, um, yeah, in my opinion, if someone said something like that to a young boy or girl and they weren't comfortable with it, you know, don't reply and say, oh, thank you so much, I'm so excited because that's not true. If you might be excited, but you can still say that you're actually really nervous and you just want to enjoy yourself. Yeah. You know, take the pressure. It actually takes the pressure off sometimes if you give people an honest response and go, well, look, I'm not feeling great or or things aren't going well and I'm not sure how it's going to go, but, you know, I'd love to see you after I finish racing. Yeah, it's a good point, mate. Definitely a good point and different ways to think of things. And and I think, you know, as you said, just being honest, I've always been massive on communication. Um, Anytime my swimmers uh, and I have disagreements or parents and I have disagreements, Mm. it always comes down to one thing that we failed to communicate somewhere along the lines and Mm -hmm. uh, myself included. So yeah, no, you're absolutely Mm. spot on there. We talked about Dean before and, and, you know, I sort of want to circle back to it again because you stole my question, but that's okay. That's fine. Um, <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. You're fine, mate. Um, people are going to start thinking, you know, I'm on the St. Peter's payroll soon because I do sort of pump his tyres up a lot. Not that he needs me to, but the success that he had over there, you know, for you, you must have been proud of him as your coach to see what he was able to achieve having so many on the swim team. I know uh, Eve Thomas was on the New Zealand team as well. Yeah. 
Um, so success over there um, for Dean as a coach, as a team. I can only imagine, and you sort of mentioned it, that you probably didn't see much in warm-ups because he was probably yeah. more often than not overwatching the races. <laughs> Just for your sort of coach-swimmer relationship, how important was that to see that and then how proud of you of a coach, you know, for him to see that? Yeah, I think in the end um, the whole the whole like experience for him and for us was phenomenal. Um, I think one thing he really loved was how much we got around each other as well. Like I know we are, um, you know, Australian team, but at the same time we're also with people that you train day in and day out with. You know the work they've put in, you've seen it, and you want to see them succeed. And I think just having Dean watch us get around each other and, and support each other, I think that was really special for him and it gave him a lot of confidence and calmness going into the next year because I guess, you know, an Olympic prep is is a whole new level. It's a whole new level of stress, pressure, you know, expectation um, and just hard work. And this was the last chance for us to test ourselves on a world level basically before we, you know, get underway with that training. So, you know, he was kind of sitting back and, you know, taking his little notes and, and doing what he needs to do and thinking about all these new exciting ways to do things. And and it gets you excited. I've always spoke about Dean is our biggest hype person. He he hypes us up so much and it it's it makes you enjoy training. You know, there's days that I'll turn up and not, you know, be in the best mood or I'm tired or whatever it might be. And Dean just kind of makes a joke and it just I guess turns your frown upside down. Um, <laughs> he truly does. He's he's a special man, and and he's always going to be family to me because of what we've been through together over over my career with him. And um, it's really special to see how he can work with any athlete of any kind, any distance, any stroke, and he manages to make a program that is suited to the individual, but also works in a group environment. And I think that that's a work of art. Mate, I cannot um, disagree at all, and I think um, I think I mentioned to Arnie that I'd, I'd pay money just to sit in the stands on some of your training <laughs> sets, just especially when you're all sort of coming together oh, in those. I <laughs> mate, I, I'd pay it. I'd you know, I'm I'm a fan. Um, but I, I think the other thing too that, um, and you mentioned the training program, but I, I think the thing that's got to be applauded just from a coach's perspective is as you said, that the mindset and, and the way he, he keeps everybody up, and I only see it from an outsider's perspective, right? I, I'm never in there. and But there's got to be a level of energy effort from his part to work with all of you guys who are high elite level athletes who all have your own personalities and individual yeah. sort of <laughs> needs that he's got to tailor to and work <laughs> towards, uh, work with uh, mm -hmm. across the board, across the range. Um, I think mentally is more the thing that sometimes I get just super in awe about watching from afar to be like, wow, that's yeah. that's got to be a lot of energy from his. He must have a lot of passion and enthusiasm for what he does, but more so love for his athletes. I had Kai on here and he was saying how, you know, his relationship with Dean has evolved over from being scared about like, oh, he's, he's, is he going to yell at me? Am I going to get in trouble? To now as he's gotten older and, and, you know, working with Dean and, you know, him saying, you know, Dean cares more about me as a person rather than an athlete. And that sort of shines through in all of you guys individually, right? Everyone says the same sort of thing, but you're all very different um, people. And, and that's sort of the thing that resonates so much with me as a coach that, you know, he, yeah. he sees that. And he also, I think the biggest thing for me and the level of respect I have for him comes from he's always there. 
you know, no matter what, no matter, like, he's always there for us. And, and to have that many athletes and always show up for them and always make time and always, you know, be there when things might get tough. And, and you know, that's guaranteed to at least maybe be once a fortnight, something's going wrong with that many athletes. Um, so for him to, to do that and to commit to us like that, it's, um, yeah, I don't think you could ever have, you could never show him the amount of gratitude you actually have. Um, you know, I, I know that he... He doesn't always love the lovey-dovey. I always give him a hug, though, because I, I need hugs and yeah. I'm you know, lacking hugs now these days. So I'm always forcing Dean to give me hugs to make sure that I'm getting my endorphin hit each day. But I think, you know, he does love to feel the love back from us. And, and you know, as you said, the passion basically comes from his sacrifice. You know, he sacrifices day in and day out for us and he expects the same from us in return and, when a moment comes like you know when we race and and a moment comes together perfectly where we achieve the goal that he set out or we set out and we've collaborated on that together it's a moment of perfection it is purely a, it's once in a lifetime sometimes people get those moments and for Dean to be able to share that with us and see it come true and feel that emotion as well that's why you get the guy on the side of the pool because he is feeling everything that he has felt and how excited and thrilled he is for us to achieve our goals because he doesn't want us retiring with regret he doesn't want us retiring thinking what a waste of time um he wants us retiring with pride and achievement to then move on to the next thing and and set new goals yeah, mate, absolutely. It's a great point. And yeah, I, I've never, you know, I remember when it first happened in um in at the Olympics when he, you know, he went off and he was nearly breaking the barricade. <laughs> and, and there was a lot of at the time sort of 50-50, right? Like, oh, you know, what what's happening here and should he yeah. be doing that? And I always thought, well, that's just a raw emotion. That's not a guy who's decided, hey, I want everyone to look at me in this moment. He yeah. probably was really super um, sort of self-conscious about that after that, like, oh, no, now, you know. Yeah. Because you know, the cameras are now, what's going to happen? Now the cameras are going to find yeah, Dean. And I... Like when I saw that, I thought, I'm sorry, Dean had no idea there was cameras on him. Yeah. You know, Dean would have not been like, oh, oh, they're on me now. I better, oh, yeah. yeah. It was, he, the cameras were meant to be on her. So anything in regards to anyone having a problem with that, you think, yeah. well, you can blame the people who are looking for a story. Yeah. Um, Dean was just relishing in a moment that him and Arnie had planned for years since she was probably 15 when she moved up they had planned that moment to come true and it came true in that moment. And I think by all means celebrate however you want because, you know, everyone at home was screaming, jumping up and down. So if we can do it at home, Dean can do it on pool deck. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I was, that's what I was going to say. I was pretty much doing the same thing at home. Yeah. Um, well, so it was, yeah, it's exactly the same. And anyone who thinks it was planned, I mean, he walked into an area he wasn't meant to walk into. So he clearly <laughs> didn't know that cameras were going to be on him. <laughs> and that's the thing. He does know that he gets really emotional yeah. and gets really enthusiastic, which is yeah. why he tries to take himself away from the coaching group because he knows that potentially other coaches think he's, you know, he's just feeling too much. But Dean's yeah. like, doesn't have any, doesn't have to make any apologies for what he does. And in the end, he puts himself in a position of being able to live in that moment and feel that pride. And I remember at the Commonwealth Games, he was up in the far corner and uh, like <laughs> um, in the after hundred freestyle, he's jumping up and down for Molly and I. And 
um, yeah, you just you look for him. It's kind of a game. You're just sitting there thinking, where is Dean at this moment? Um, so yeah, I yeah, the guy's amazing. I think anyone who says anything otherwise hasn't met him or is basically envious of how creative and amazing he is. Mate, you uh, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I had a question written down, but I'm going to mm-hmm. change it because based off what we've <laughs> just discussed, I don't think this question actually is appropriate to you and your mindset and where you're at. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to switch my question up because my question was more about, you know, off the back of coming back and now you've sort of almost brought your career full circle and you're at that point, yeah. you know, how do you stay hungry? How do you stay motivated? I don't think you have any problem staying hungry and staying motivated. I think that question was rubbish and I'm happy to say <laughs> it and I'm changing my question. <laughs> um, it's in the bin. It's, it's, it's moved. I'm going to switch to a different question though. Based off your experiences in Melbourne and how you kind of started to, for the first time in your words, sort of self-doubt and like, oh, hang on a second, you know, I should be ready to go fast. Am I going to go fast? Did I go? No, I didn't. Oh, what's happening? How do you look now taking those lessons to the next 10, 10 months? I know we never go too much into planning and preparation around programming, so that's okay. But mental preparation, I mean, that was an experience. That was a learning experience for you. Certainly now leading 10 months ahead, as I said, just based off this conversation, I can tell you don't have any trouble in terms of being motivated and setting goals. They would already be there. They would have probably been there immediately following. Um, How do you take those lessons though now and implement them into this journey over the next, say, 10 months? Um, Look, for me, as you said, it was a learning curve and I think everything that I've done up till now has continued to build my mentality and resilience for this moment. I truly believe that, you know, for me it's I've, I've, you know, I've I've proven that I deserve to be back and I've proven that, you know, everything is in the past now and I deserve to be here and be representing my country and it's basically just going to be coming down to me having no regrets. I've, I've said to Dean, I want to have no regrets. I want to enjoy this whole journey. You know, I want to have a laugh. And, and, you know, I know sometimes people are fearful of having too much fun of like, oh, no, you've got to be serious. It's a professional sport. But I don't want to have any regrets in the sense of if I get to the end and, you know, succeed or not, in my opinion, as long as I had the best journey and enjoyed every part of it with my coach, my team and everybody around me, um, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm done, you know, like everything that I want to achieve is, is up in headlights to me. And I know exactly where I want to be and it's going to come down to me and, and what I can do. And so I think instead of looking at other people and looking at what they're doing or whatnot, I really just want to focus on trying to have fun and love what I do. Um, and that's why, you know, I, I do things like clinics or, you know, and podcasts like these because I want people to know that, you know, when you see me bumbling, bubbling around the pool deck, smiling and everything, that is me just living in the moment, not thinking too much about the future. Like I am someone who overthinks, um, but I'm trying to learn to live in the moment and just embrace the opportunities that I'm given because in the end, as I've learned in the past, they can be taken within seconds. Yeah, mate. I'm, I'm glad I switched my question because that was a perfect answer. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, you, you're spot on there. And I think we all go through those experiences too. And even as coaches, you know, we, we all, um, we present that calm, 
nature and then but once yeah. we see our athlete behind the blocks all of a sudden you know or, or the sweat start and I start yeah. getting jittery and my watches are out and I'm fiddling around and coaches all yeah. of a sudden start looking at me like what happened to him he just completely shifted and then yeah. I sort of catch myself later I'm like oh what did you do that for you were so calm the whole way along but now all of a sudden we're on so no it's, it's it goes to a lot of different things so I think a lot of people can resonate with what you just said we touched on um finished before uh, mm -hmm. and your affiliation with with them um obviously they they have some fantastic products and a lot of my swimmers use their paddles as well the hand paddles and stuff like that how mm -hmm. how you know excited are you to partner with them we know we talked about the race suits and stuff but they've obviously got a wide range of different things and such is Shana the nature of me being able to do whatever the hell I want on my podcast I'm happy to to spruik different products and different brands because, as I said, I, I go out of my way to tell people in my program to get certain finished things and we've got sort of a array of different <laughs> products in our pool, actually, to be honest. So we're, we're not too picky. Um, but, you know, you've been affiliated with them and obviously uh, enjoying it. What You know, talk to me about them as a brand and their products. Look, I don't look as at Finesse as a brand. I look at it as like a community. Every every uh, company that I partner with, I definitely feel like it's a community. It's a family. It's 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 not just about tit for tat, post this, get that, you know, whatever it might be. And and that's something I've always really respected about Finesse is, um, you know, the CEO John. He always keeps in contact with us, and he's, you know, always touching base and and you know, wanting to know what we've been up to and and trying to help us out as much as he can. And for me personally, when I came back, you know, Finesse was one of the first um, brands as well as Jeep Motorama. Um, they jumped on board and just were there to support, you know, that I had had no results. No one knew where I was going to end up. No one knew if I was even going to stay involved in the sport. But people such as Finesse were like, well, we just want to help you in whatever way we can, you know, by providing the products that you love. You know, for me personally, my favourite is the Agility Snorkel um sorry not agility my god i'm gonna get killed for that one <laughs> <laughs> the stability snorkel <laughs> stability paddle stability snorkel yep. um so for me that i live and breathe that i you know i love being able to keep my head in a still position and basically that snorkel allows me to do that and whenever i switch onto my back you know i don't have to take my snorkel off completely um but again i always live and breathe the race suits i'm always gonna I, for me, the the pinnacle of of why I choose a, a swimming brand comes down to that race suit and what that race suit can do for me confidence wise. You know, I'm not saying that someone else putting it on is going to 100% feel the same confidence I do, but when I race in that suit, I know I'm ready to go. Um, I I can trust the suit. I can you know rely on that suit to do its job, and it has proven to do its job, which is why I love it and I will always recommend it. Um, but, you know, as I said, Finesse is a brand, has always had my back, has always been there for me and, um, you know, I can't thank them enough and, and hopefully I am thanking them by doing my job and, and succeeding and, and doing what I do best. Um, I know they were super excited and so proud of myself, Megan Cam um, from the Australian group and, um, yeah, we look forward to being part of that team moving forward and, and um, representing the brand with pride. Yeah, mate, a hundred percent. They're a great product, and I have no doubt that they're super proud of of what you are achieving, <laughs> yeah. mate, and what what you certainly will go on to achieve. Um, the road ahead, and again, you know, we don't have to give too many things away, but there's there's different 
bumps and turns and twists coming up for the Australian team and many swimmers are going to go many different ways. So there's World Cups, there's World Champs mm -hmm. next year, which again, I keep saying, but it's crazy to me to think there's another World Champs and in an Olympic yeah. year <laughs> where there's other things and there's trials and there's this and there's that. Have you got that mapped out yet? Do you have a rough idea? Are you going to be on any of the World Cup trips and stuff like that? As again, you don't have to give too much away, but your, your you know, road ahead, as I said, do you have it pretty much planned out? Are you going to get to get overseas a little bit and do some racing? So I love this about me is I am hush hush. I <laughs> have my I have my group and every single person in my group has been sent my plan. Yes. And, and yes. the only people who would know my plan and the strict instructions to my people would do not tell anyone. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you'll have to wait and see. So, so the answer is yes, you have a plan. It yeah, just didn't get plan. emailed to me, so that's okay. That's fine. That's all right. That's okay. I'm not um, offended. No, every, everyone will obviously see as it goes as it goes on. But um, as I said, things can change. I can change my mind or depending on how things are going, um, yeah. things can change. So I don't like to put anything in concrete. Um, but I do have a plan myself and my team knows that plan and, and we're really excited to execute it and see what happens. It's an interesting time, though. I'll switch and, and change to a different question. It's an interesting time, though, isn't it, for um, that road ahead to the trials next year, which I, I you know, people are going to get sick of hearing me talk about how excited I am for next year's Olympic trials, just because I think it's going to be the coming together of so many different factors, whether you've got juniors who are at junior worlds that are pushing upwards, trying to make a name for themselves. Swimmers like yourself who are already established and in the team who want to stamp their dominance and even put yeah. a little bit foot forward. You've got swimmers yeah. like Kate and Bronte Campbell, Mitch Larkin, who have had injuries, but they're coming back and they want to get another taste of an Olympic, um, you know, year. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be exciting. It's exciting too with these different ways and paths to the Olympics, isn't it? And as I said, with the yeah. World Cups and World Champs. Have you seen anything like this in your time with, with how, how many people are coming together and all the different roads that people are going to take? Like Bronte, I spoke to her. She's going to go on a couple of World Cup tours and you've got people, as I said, that are going to go to World Champs. It's exciting, right? Yeah, it's super exciting. And no, I haven't seen it before. I think the one thing we've noticed is that because of that three-year turnaround, as crazy as it sounds just by eliminating one year, people stayed on. Um, you know, people who might have been umming and ahhing about doing another Olympic cycle basically went, well, what's there to lose by trying again? Um, and and you've got to have a lot of respect for people who do that because it's not an easy road. It's a very difficult road and it's a very um, strenuous road. So nothing but respect for everybody who's trying to get there. Um it's an exciting one, though. As you said, is it? it is exciting. It will be interesting to see how everybody turns up. And as I said, it's going to come down to everybody on that day and how they perform. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what you do the month before, six months before, whatever it might be, you know, what you do at World Cups, what you do at World Championships, what you do at, um, yeah, when, at other meets, it doesn't matter. It comes down to what you do on the day at trials and who's going to be our champions. Yeah, no, it's exciting um, and I keep pumping it up too because I'm hoping that the listeners of the podcast really get excited around it too. Hopefully it's at a venue. I don't know if the venue's been chosen. I'm sure behind the scenes there's conversations, but hopefully, yeah. hopefully, no disrespect to Melbourne, but I'm hoping that it's uh, it's at somewhere that's a, it's a little bit bigger, a little bit more uh, friendly competition-wise for you guys as well um, in terms of, you know, maybe Adelaide, maybe 
Yeah, Sydney, I don't know, just being selfish really because oh, I'll be in Sydney, so it's easy for me to come. I mean, up in Brisbane, true. I, I love Chandler. I do miss, I do miss, I miss the Chandler pool. <laughs> I miss the free but parking. It cold though, again, it'll be cold being again outside and inside, outside warm up, inside racing. So it doesn't get cold in Brisbane, mate. I've got to tell you, I'm from Sydney. You guys think it's cold up there, it's not oh, cold. I get cold. I'm <laughs> Look, no. ideally, I think in the past it's always been in Adelaide, basically because they have that. That's the facility that has both the indoor fifty meter pools. Yeah. Um, we, I, I'm not sure if anything's confirmed, and I'm, I'm not really sure. But um, whatever happens in the end, we're all in the same boat. That's a hundred percent right. Anytime, any place, anywhere, let's go. That's I like yeah. that that motto. Uh, Shana, mate, I think we'll wrap it up there. We've smashed it. We've done another PB. We PB'd the first time. We've <laughs> PB'd again. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Um, an absolute pleasure. And I always, you know, uh, I mentioned this to the commentator for Channel 9, Matt Thompson. I had him on. Um, and he mentioned that he gets imposter syndrome sometimes sitting next to the people he gets to sit next to. And I must admit, I can I can resonate with that because I get imposter syndrome getting able to speak to athletes like yourself, um, Arnie and, and whoever else gets to come on here. Adam Peter, I remember sitting there and Peter, I'm like, why am I sitting here talking to Adam Peter? What is happening in life? Um, so thank you very much because you guys, you know, go out of your way to take the time to come on to speak to the to the listeners, to speak to the junior swimmers out there. And um, as I said, I, I'm absolutely humbled every time you guys say yes to it. So thank you very, very much for coming on. Congrats with all the success at the World Champs. Uh, and I can't wait to see the road. Well, we're going to have to wait and see because you, you get well. <laughs> <laughs> But I can't no, wait to, no, to wait you. and see, mate, the road ahead. Uh, and what's coming up for you, but uh, I can't see it being anything less than positive. So thank you very much for coming on Off The Block Swim podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers, mate. Bye. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you. Just